Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I am so excited today to share with my audience one of my favorite people. Um, and you know, most of you know that I don't always know my guests, but today's guest is a very good friend. I do know her, and I'm so happy to share her with you. Elizabeth Lampert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Susan, and I feel the same. I'm very honored, and I'm pleased, and fun. excited to be on this call with you. Since we do know each other, I'm expecting a robust and interesting conversation. You bet, you bet. So um, I've learned so much from you. I probably didn't do the right thing in telling you thank you for all that I've learned from you, but I have learned a lot from you, and I'm grateful for that. So tell everyone else who may not know you as well a little bit about yourself. Wow, a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm Elizabeth Lampert. I've been in legal marketing, oh gosh, I hate to say it, but I think it's been over 15 years. Uh, during that time, my practice has evolved from merely, you know, being in somebody else's company to owning my own and then doing day-to-day -day publicity and expanding that over the recent years into a fully robust, exciting, and truly interesting crisis communications practice. So we usually focus on the legal industry and service providers, but recently we've been, you know, working on our clients' clients, which have taken us into some exciting other realms like the entertainment industry, hospitals, uh, banks. Uh, so we're really excited about our practice, and that's me. I've, I've lived all over the country. I'm here in California now, and I love it. I have uh, a lot of affinity for New York City, and I just uh, enjoy meeting people like you, Susan, and other professionals and women that are interested in helping other women succeed and move forward and expand their, you know, networks. So thank you. You are so welcome. And look, folks, once you get to know Elizabeth, those of you don't, many of you do, but those of you don't, you're going to be thanking me for sharing this podcast with you. <laughs> She's pretty awesome. So one thing I want to say that's so brilliant, and, and this is the way, oh, I should probably not follow that comment with, this is the way I think too. But um, honestly, it was such a brilliant <laughs> idea or thought or strategy or tactic or to help your clients, clients in this time. So, so many people are trying to sell and that's just not okay, especially not right now. It depends on how. But if you're trying to sell your services as you did before COVID-19 hit us so hard, uh, that's probably not the best route or route to take. Um, I do love the fact that you are fully aware that solving or preventing your clients' problems will raise your value and forever create a raving fan out of your client. So if you can help your clients' clients, that's definitely the way to go. It makes your client look great to their customers and clients and, you know, Again, super valuable. I also wanted to say, um, yes, uh, you live in California. I live in California. Um, but I want to give a big shout out to you. You post the pictures of your um, shelter in place. I would love to be sheltered in place where you are. It's so beautiful. So she lives in Lafayette, California, folks. So those of you who know Lafayette know it's very beautiful. It's mountainous. She's, she's got, you know, scenery that calms. To me, that's very calming to spend time in nature. So thank you for posting those pictures because I don't have quite the, <laughs> I don't have quite the same view as you. So, um, well, let me ask you this. You have done so much. You've been in-house. You, you have your own business now. It's quite successful. 
you do the job of many, um, although, you know, like me, you have a small business, but you do the job of many, you wear many hats. Tell me a little bit um, along the way, what maybe was your proudest professional accomplishment? You know, it's a, it's a really interesting question. And I think that while day to day, you know, we tend to highlight and allow our clients to be out in the world through TV or print or radio or whatever medium it is. So we're always moving people to the forefront and getting awareness for them. But I have to say, I think the proudest moment was the one time that a client had called me in on a pro bono matter that they were doing. And as, you know, as any mother or anybody that has any involvement can tell you helping to work with children is just so I mean I guess it's different for everybody some people have animals some people have the elderly my soft spot is children so there was a period of time where an entertainment firm that I was working with was doing some pro bono work for a local synagogue it wasn't a denominational thing it was open and willing to everybody but this was the particular client who was doing it and at that time they were giving dolls to children and homeless children, immigrant children, whatever children it was. And that was, you know, just a very beautiful thing. We were able to get TV there. We were able to get the radio there. We were able to get a lot of print. And not that they did it for that. That was just a side, you know, benefit of it. I actually went down and was able to help organize in the background the people who were um, accepting the donations and giving them away. And the generosity of the people in general, but also seeing the children when they were the recipient of a gift. I mean, that was just like a very beautiful moment in my life. And I remember, okay. you know, when my daughter was little and she'd get a gift and she's certainly not in that category of homeless or needy and her face would light up, but the absolute contrast to somebody who may never have had that before in their life. I mean, it was just amazing. So in between these, you know, I, I guess, um, I don't want to say narcissistic because that's the wrong word, but in between these opportunities to give people who are already abundant even more abundance, there are these opportunities to give and use my uh, PR and my tactics to, to give to a different set of circumstances that still allow for, um, you know, I, I don't know, a beautiful outcome. I love that. So I totally understand what you're trying to say. And I love that you're um, authentic and genuine enough to check the privilege. You know, that's what you're saying when you say it's, it's great to do for those who, who can and have and already can do. Um, but it's so exponentially more meaningful to do for those who can't or don't have or can't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would imagine that, um, you know, the, the, the feeling of security that you brought to each and every child to know they had, you know, what we, you know, we have security blankets, we have stuffed animals, we've yeah. done, but to have something they've never had before and hold on to, to talk to something that represents a friend. And when you're young, you have, uh, at least I did. Friends. I hope I'm not the only one, but I had imaginary friends. I had dolls with names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could use one yeah. of those today, but uh, <laughs> when you're in place. <laughs> When you're sheltered, you know, I, I am. I am always amazed by the industry that we work in, Susan. I mean, we really do work in an industry that has the ability and has the talent. And I, I think at some level has the requirement to give back. And whatever the law firms or the lawyers choose to do, 
Um, Again, I get very jazzed when it has to do with children, but I've got to say this industry has, over the years, I've seen many opportunities where the law firms and the lawyers have given back in a big way. So, you know, I'm I'm proud to work in this industry, and I do think that they do the right thing um, on more than, you know, 40 occasions. I agree. I agree. I've seen a lot of those, um, I think it's legal star programs and yeah. Yeah. So meaningful toys for kids around the holidays. And, um, yeah. I think that it's very important never to forget how you got to where you are and then forget others who aren't where you are. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very inspired by people who um, live in service to others and give back and pay forward and all those good things, good doobies that we, we, we like to surround ourselves with. Speaking of good doobies that we surround ourselves with, who maybe was your inspiration or a mentor to you as you um, progressed in your career? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's an easy one because she's still an absolutely, um, <laughs> I know, uh, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, she's the most, well, I mean, wonderful, it's Deborah McMurray, um, I met Deborah short, you know, very, very early in my career, I actually lived in Dallas for, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 months, and about a month before I was leaving, she and I met. It was an unfortunate moment because I truly think that we were we are now separated sisters who were taken away from each other and during that time, but we've remained so, so, so close. And over the years, she has really put me back in place. Um, you know, there were times where I would be writing or I would be speaking and I just skirt the issues, um, you know, read a little bit and then talked and she would tell me, you know, if you spent five more minutes, if you spent 10 more minutes, if you really indulge, have you looked at this? And she just made me a much deeper, much thoughtful, uh, much more thoughtful of a person. But also, again, talk about someone who is so giving back to her community and so giving to um, the arts and to children and to all different sectors, whatever. But professionally, I'd have to say, because PR, in many respects, is a very, you know, connect the dots. Here's the news, here's the person, here's the reporter, and you can get out of it. At least that's how early on in a career person, you know, PR person's career is you don't get into the heavy strategy or the crisis until a little bit later. So it's very easy to be shallow. And she just kept grinding at me to be deeper and more thoughtful and more, you know, respectful of the work that I was doing and the clients that I were working with. And I have to say, she raised my bar very, very high. And I also know her bar is very high and she has over the years given back and given people so much of her time and so much of her knowledge that that was complete inspiration for me as I was coming up through this industry. And I'm so, so, so proud of her success. I attribute a lot of mine to hers and I just love her as a human being. You know, I know her, I know her well, everything you said is true. Um, I would like to add to that to say that um, she treats, her um how shall we say i guess her you know community gifts or her extra her pro bono work her you know from the heart activities like they are her business like you know she she mm-hmm. yeah she invests a hundred percent into others and 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 causes and um you know good causes that may not in the normal way pay her back she doesn't do it for that or for anything in return she's sort of like um and i've had her on my show twice which she's the only person i've ever had on my show twice um 
Oh, that's not true. I had one other person. Um, and that person <laughs> me now. Oh my God, I feel so bad. I can't remember the other person, but definitely remember Deborah <laughs> McMurray. <laughs> she's been on my show twice, but she's like the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. And she's, she's, I, I love that, that she has, you know, she might have fear, but you would never know it. She has courage. She exhibits courage. And she look, has courage. Yes. I have never seen or heard her sell anything. I have seen her tell a story that was so compelling that you want to engage. So, um, yay you, Deborah McMurray, because we know you're going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, she is. I love you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this, and I know that you're on board with um, supporting women in business, but tell us something we can do. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be some grand scheme, but each and every day, maybe a little something that we can do to support women in business. Um, you know, I think that you have done a really good job of bringing people together and introducing people, right? So I think one of the things that we do is to can think about what in our practice or through our clients' needs we have that can, you know, serve or allow itself to be a connector to an introduction. And I have to say almost immediately after doing your conference, and I've known um, I, I don't want to say her name, but I've known one of the people that was there very well over the years, but hadn't for a period of time utilized services or thought about, you know, what other people could be doing. And I do have clients who now and then are, you know, doing other things in PR. They're doing websites, they're doing this, they're doing that. So I did connect somebody recently with a client of mine, and they're pretty full-time writing for them, doing some chambers work, doing some other work, and this client of mine sent me a note yesterday saying, I am so grateful for you, for the introduction that you've made. You obviously know a lot of very interesting people in the industry, and I have to say working with the two of you has been such a pleasure. And then about five minutes later, I get the same note from the woman that I introduced into this relationship saying, I just want to thank you so much for introducing me to your client. I got a really nice note today from him saying that he enjoyed my work and that he really felt that there was value there. So. I think that it is in all of our best interest to keep our networks actively engaged and to be thinking every day of what opportunity do I have or might my client have? Because we know a lot of very talented and interesting people. And when we give our clients someone that we know, we're doing them a favor too because there's a lot of people out there who are untested or unproven or maybe not giving it the best. And when you personally prefer somebody, you are saying you are almost making a promise, like, "Hey, I'm giving you somebody that I know has moral scruples and talent is going to do the best for you and not going to, you know, price gouge you." So I learned that, or I got that, or was reminded of that from the conference that you did, and was, you know, re-exposed to some of those people that I've known but hadn't seen for a while. And I think as women, and as business women, uh, we we should be, you know, looking to we can stay connected to our network and maybe every day reach out and touch one of those people and say, hey, what are you working on? Or, you know, is there anything that I might be able to help you with? You're very good at doing that. Um, I was not, but I think that that's a necessary component. Um, you know, and, and that's not that's the exclusion of men. It's just that there's a lot of us out there who, you know, would benefit from the women supporting women mantra that we need to be having in our head every day because it's a good one. And if we don't support each other, nobody else is going to. I agree. I agree. All that is so great. It makes me happy. I'm doing a little dance over here um, to know <laughs> that, that 
Um, so I actually was recently asked to host um, this session called Calm, Cool. I actually named the session. They asked me, what do I want to call it? I thought Calm, Cool, and Connected in this time of coronavirus. And that is something I fully believe in, that we must you know, advise, refer, or hire someone you may or may not even know already. Um, but when you know someone and you, you refer them, you are aligning your own reputation to their work. So that is a huge deal. And um, I think that, the, it, that doing something like that, you know, it crosses a line from uh, client satisfaction, which we all do pretty good work. Some of us do great work. I'd like to think I do great work. You do great work. Right. That's a satisfied client. But how do we ensure the next step, which is client loyalty? So it's one thing to have a satisfied client. That's pretty good. But it's really great to have a loyal client who will then attach their own firm or company reputation to yours by referring work to you. So um, this is how it should work. This is, you know, it's, it, I want to say it's the dream, but dreams often don't come true and aren't considered real. But this is the reality of really great connecting and really great networking and meaningful relationships. So I love this story. This is so great. I know exactly who you're talking about and she's awesome. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, uh, and I'm really happy because over the years, I've, you know, she has given me references and I've gotten work. So, you know, again, to be able to give back is also really gratifying and, and, and it's, a, it's almost like a promise that it's going to continue for the future. And so if you help lift other people up, you're creating a pipeline of opportunity to receive be it from that person or down the line, because I do truly believe that's how the energy works. It is, and not like I'm the, the Lord of energy, and I know all the rules of energy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not some kind of, you know, but I do uh, believe that that is how it works, you know, that we pay it forward, and in some way, I, I am so fulfilled when, you know, so for example, let's say you do something for me, and I do something for for you and then the transaction closes that's a, a loop that closes but if you do something for me and then I do something for someone else and then they do something for someone else this is a continuation of the good and that right. is what I see happening both are, are good but one is great you know so I agree. I, yeah, yeah I'm all about paying it forward well let me ask you I know that um for any of us who have gotten anywhere and I think you and I have gotten pretty far we're, we're not lucky. I never say lucky because we worked our asses off, but what maybe, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What maybe has been your biggest challenge or even a setback that you overcame and how did you do that? You know, it's, this is interesting. It's kind of stopped. Um, and I don't know if that's coming from my side or if it's coming from the client side for, but for a long period of time, we had a situation. It's almost comical. Every time we would send out a proposal, we would get a pushback no matter what. Um, people were asking for a price cut. And it was happening so frequently that I then inquired of other people if this was happening to them, other people in my profession. There was one other kind of smallish firm like ours who said, oh my gosh, every single time I send out a proposal, I swear to you, they come back and say $500 less than I proposed. So if I proposed $7,000, they'd say $6,500. If I proposed $4,000, it'd be $3,500. And she was laughing. 
She said it got to the point where I was predicting it would happen. When I asked some of the men that I work with, and there's a network of us who do share information, um, and I do think that pricing at some level should be shared because I don't think that it's a secretive thing. I think people would deserve to know. Um, of all, there was two men that I talked to, and they both said, never had a problem with that. In fact, our client added services and added to the retainer. So we started to think about that and watch it, and it was almost every single time. So we've priced differently. We've allowed for opportunities for people to um, take pieces of the proposal out, but we don't compromise on cost anymore. And what we found was every single time that we compromised on cost, we, we, we generally over-service and we generally, you know, satisfaction and results are a really big part of our company and our reputation. But what we found is every time we discounted or every time we agreed to something lower, we wound up doing even far more right. than we would had we charged the original amount. And then when we got the original amount, we found that we were, you know, it was a fair value and everybody was happy, but it was almost remarkable. So what we've done is we've just really just stayed true and and verified and provided discussion or details or background or information that would support why the price is worth this. And we're very transparent and we are not in any way um, in situations where we have to defend our rates. But what we've said is, this is what we do for you and this is why this is, and people then have um, stopped doing it. So I think it was, us needing to communicate more before we would just take it and say, okay, fine, you know, $500 off what we rose you is fine. But pricing, pricing was a thing. And it took us a long time to figure out how to just stand up for ourselves and say, no, this is it. This is the price. So it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a setback, but I would call it a challenge that we faced. And then when we looked at it and, and tried to define how to, you know, address it, we were able to overcome. But I think that pricing and I think billing and I think those kinds of issues are always a big deal for small providers. So my recommendation would be stick to your guns and only offer what the fair value is. This way you don't come back and discount because you're not going to discount on something that you're providing fair value for in the first place. I agree. And this is such a powerful topic. And I think women uh, suffer that fate more than men do. Oh, I know it. Studies show that that's mm -hmm. the fact. If you were to take your name off the top of the proposal and they didn't know if it was a male or female, there would be no blinking right. guy. Um, right. Seriously, that's a fact. So if you don't mind, might I share a few tips on that for others who might Absolutely, be Absolutely, please. Great. So, so you obviously do a great job of needs assessment or you wouldn't have the meaningful information you provide in the proposal. So you know what the client's needs are. Then what you need to do is really create a strong, unique value proposition. We talk about value proposition all the time. But what is your unique value proposition? The story you tell the client that the client says, I don't care how you do it, but I trust that you're the person to do it because I am so... I understand that you understand my problem. I trust that you can solve it or prevent it. And so that's your unique value proposition. And then the second thing would be um, ask, are you the person to make the final decision and never take no from someone who can't say yes 
Um, right. So really run from the price buyers because they don't care about unique value propositions. They care mostly about how long will it take, how much will it cost, and that's it. They don't see um, what the end user would see. Like a CEO is visionary, might see the bigger picture and be willing to spend the money that it's, uh, that's worth this process. Mm -hmm. But um, a CFO might be like, the fact is the fact, and this is all we're going to pay for whatever you're about to tell me. Well, then you don't have an open mind to share your unique value proposition. And then lastly, here's a tip I give clients, is that studies show that when men negotiate, people accept it readily. I mean, they don't blink an eye. But when women negotiate, they're shocked and horrified and can't believe she said that or tried to do, or say, you know. And so here's what I tell them. I say, you disarm that right up front. You say, Studies show that men readily negotiate and people accept that without any problem. And that women, when they try, they are met with great um, pushback. So I'm just letting you know right now up front, I will likely engage in negotiations. Um, so you disarm that right up front. You don't wait till you get, you've already provided a great you know, um, roadmap or strategic plan or, you know, the goods, the, the blueprint. And then they say, oh no, never mind. And you don't get hired. And then they have someone in-house or someone who will work for less implement your plan, which has happened to me more than once. Exactly. Yes. Um, be very careful of that. Um, I actually have seen men do this, you know, engage in this negotiation and make that statement. Would an architect give you the blueprint for free? No. So um, very powerful, aggressive language that when women use it, we are uh, chastised or frowned upon and that has to change. So I say be assertive and if necessary, be aggressive and, you know, disarm this up front before you give away your um, intellectual capital. So those are my three little points on that. I don't always chime in, but that's so resonated with me because I've been in your shoes where I'm like, you're the CEO, you're not a price buyer. Why are you not being visionary? Have I not clearly articulated my unique value proposition? So lots of thought to give right. to that folks. Good, good example. Yeah, well, let me ask you, I know a lot about you and I love what I know, but there are people who know you who may not know a surprising fact about you. So why don't you share that? A surprising fact about me. Oh, what would be a surprising fact about me? That I'm a painter? That I paint? Oh, um, That I've painted yeah. some of the things that are in my house? I, I you know, I, I've got to say that I, I would think that was a surprising fact, except I've been on Instagram and I've been on different uh, social media sites and I see that there are so many talented painters in legal marketing. Mary Kimber, yes. beautiful, beautiful painter. John Neidecker, I mean, gorgeous oil works. I, you know, I can't even think of some of the others, but I know that I've seen people and I, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about social media for me, be it Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, you really do get this personal exposure to some of the inside workings. And it was, um, you know, interesting to me, some, some people, Gina Rubel has a beautiful photography, um, like a, array of opportunity of, um, photographs that she does, but her eye, she's got a beautiful eye. And of course she's someone who has this wonderful home and this dog that is incredibly expressive, almost human-like. So her subjects are, you know, easily photographed, but I've seen her travel photography. And again, she has a special eye and 
I think that there's a very, you know, you would think that lawyers and people in the legal industry, one of their talents was writing. And I think that's true, but I also think there's a lot of art, a lot of artistic capacity and um, some of the people I mentioned. But, yeah, I, I do a lot of abstract painting, and that is something that I've been doing through this virus. I have a painting that I go down and I work on. I've been working on it for about three weeks. And every few days I'll go down and sit in my office and just start throwing something on the canvas and I'm waiting to see and then sometimes I'll just go over it with a whole other couple and start other but I do have art in my house that people have said oh this is nice where'd you get it and I'll I, I actually won't admit that it's mine because it's so exposing but there I'm looking at a piece now I'm looking at a piece that I finished recently I put it up and someone came in and said they liked it whenever it was that we were before quarantine and I never owned up to painting it that's so amazing. So Elizabeth, um, I didn't know that about you. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling like, oh no, if I'm not shocking, but yeah, I could it's weird. No, that's so beautiful. I had a conversation with um this woman engineer yesterday, and we were talking about how engineers, lawyers, CPAs, linear thinkers, people who are, you know, seriously involved in the process, uh, more than you know, the bigger picture, the outcome, that sort of thing how rare it is for them to tap into their right brain. And I actually right. have found, um, maybe it's just the universe of people I surround myself with, but I know a lot of doctors, lawyers, engineers, who are amazing musicians or they can paint. Oh. Yeah, um, so I do think that's maybe an outlier, but I also think that it's, proof that that that's in there they just need to tap into it they need to lean yeah. on use it more um because it's a great outlet it's a stress reliever it's um it helps people to relate to you as a human being like you talked about seeing people in our industry on instagram and so forth mm -hmm. um, you know if you go to linkedin you just know their resume if you go to their right. website and look at their bio you just see their headshot when I do this blog about you, for example, after this podcast, I'm going to put, um, now I'm going to pick pictures of your art as well, but <laughs> I'm going to put pictures of you in real life so that people can relate to you. Like when people hear that you're an artist, there are people out there who will listen to the podcast and see the blog and go, oh, I love that. I'm an art buyer or I'm an artist too, or this is an interesting thing I didn't know about Elizabeth, which makes me like her more. Um, I, I do art at home, so I want to hire her to do my legal marketing or PR, um, yet knowing we have that common bond um, yeah. in being artists. So I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> we did not talk about this. Yeah, we didn't talk about this before, folks. This was totally a surprise to me. <laughs> Um, I was like, I know you well. Why don't you tell us something? Um, it's so personal, that. though. I mean, it's so, like you're saying you're going to, you know, write, put something about my art. I don't, it's such a personal thing. I mean, it, it's so exposing and it is so calming, but really, I envy those people like Mary and John and thinking who put their art in progress from beginning to end because it really is exposing because anyone can say, well, that's not great. But it doesn't matter. I just put it on there, and now it's mine, and it's whatever I was feeling. But um, I think that everybody should paint or do some sort of music. Uh, and it is in there. Like you were saying, get it out of you, because it's really cathartic. And it's, it's quite, sure. it's quite um, an opportunity to get to know yourself better. Like you were saying, it gets, the other people would know me better. It actually helps me get to know myself better and get whatever mood it is 
out there on that medium. So I encourage everybody to find something like that because it's um it's super interesting to go back a week or two later and say, oh wow, what was I thinking then? Or you know, do I still yeah. like this? Or does this still relate to me? So art has that opportunity to bring you back to something. So it's very um it's like journaling. It's like storytelling without words. Yes. It's, it's very um it's presenting Elizabeth Lampert inside out. You know, it's a glimpse inside of Elizabeth and those who do that. Um, I actually used to paint a lot as well. I now journal more than I paint, but it is storytelling and it's beautiful and wonderful. And I think everyone needs to tap into that. It is a step in the, what Buddhists call the, the well, and, and psychotherapists, Jungian psychotherapists call self-actualization. It's another yes, way of revealing, exactly. yeah, revealing the self. I love that. So um, you're fascinating. You you became more fascinating to me now <laughs> than you were before we had this conversation. And I was so pretty funny. fascinated already. Um, you're so cute. Let me ask you, if people uh, want to reach you or know more about you or even your art or especially your work, how can they reach you? Oh, I am so really one of those people who is on email 24-7. I hate to say it because it just sounds so obsessive, but I am an email person. I am, you know, and again, part of our company and part of our service and part of our reputation, I think, would be responsiveness. So if they wanted to, they could find me at Lampert at ElizabethLampertPR.com. I am super responsive to that, and really, I don't answer my home phone often enough. I answer, I look at text, but really emailing me is the way. But if someone wanted to call me, they could also call me too at 925-451-3095. I do pick up my phone. I just, I'm really a, an emailer. Honestly, uh, that Elizabeth, you, does that make me a 20-something, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just about email. to say, I don't know anybody who uses the phone anymore, frankly. <laughs> I'm 53 years old and I don't use the phone. If the phone rings, then I know it's someone that... Um, I don't know, you know, because those of you who know me know that I'm, I don't use the phone. So email me, message me, Facebook message me, whatever. So if you're okay with that, Elizabeth, I will put your email out there on the blog as well as um, maybe your yeah. social. How about yeah, a link? Okay, good. All right. Well, you're so much fun. This was great. We used to chat more. Um, I think we've been very busy. I find that I am very busy during this crisis, which uh, thank you, whatever universe, whatever exactly. you God, thank you, whatever. Um, but um, take time out to connect with your friends. This was such a nice chat I had with you. And um, just because the whole world's listening didn't mean it was personal. It was not personal. It was. <laughs> I felt personal to me, but now that you reminded me, I'm like going, what did I say? So no, thank you, Susan. I appreciate the opportunity. And it's always, you know, fun to talk to you. We talk about talking together and then it's like, oh, tomorrow, the next day, whatever we get busy. So this actually having a moment and having it scheduled was perfect because I do get to reconnect with you. So I appreciate that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, keep your head up. You're doing a great job sheltering in place. Um, <laughs> you too. Keep on sharing those pictures. They, they make me smile. So have a good okay, day, honey. everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.